You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1132 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast today. Today's show is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for all the subscriptions that you don't want or don't need. And it can even help you negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Today's podcast will be sort of a grab bag of sorts as we get into all kinds of topics. The Hawks don't play until Friday, so we have three days to navigate in the middle of the week. I'll get into some injury updates, some mailbag questions, look ahead to the schedule, three-point shooting talk, etc., etc. on the podcast today, and thank you again for listening. Uh, we'll dive in now to a uh, the first topic is actually a, a little bit newsier than most of the rest here. That's that Travis Schlenk spoke to 92.9 The Game, the Hawks' flagship station uh, in Atlanta, on Tuesday morning and gave one of his uh, customary sort of State of the Hawks kind of addresses through the uh, team partner there. And a lot of the stuff that was sort of interesting to take away was injuries. Now, I will say this, as always, Travis sometimes has details a little bit fuzzy and says things that are not official from the Hawks. So I'm not taking any of this as absolute gospel, but he still has some interesting things to say. So I want to always pass along a little bit of this stuff to you guys now. Um, he said on the record on Tuesday that Solomon Hill might be out for, quote, quite a while, end quote, and then he, and then he kind, of, kind of tore the hamstring off the bone. That was a direct quote from Travis. Uh, nothing official at this point in time from the Hawks. They have not released any kind of update as they often would. Now, it's worth noting that the Hawks were off entirely on Tuesday after the back-to-back, so perhaps Wednesday they'll send out a release of some kind on Solomon Hill. But if it is true that he has some sort of tear in the hamstring, uh, you cannot imagine that Sol will be back anytime soon. And that's obviously brutal. On one hand, he's still able to be around the team. Uh, he is known, I would say very well known for his leadership and voice and the fact that he's just a fantastic teammate. And uh, that's one of the reasons why the Hawks brought him back for this year and even brought him in the first place is that Sol is this great vet. He can communicate, all that stuff. But he has been sort of the plug-and-play emergency option on the wing when they had, when they had all, the, all these injuries the last two seasons. And he was playing before the injury, all that stuff as well. So... It's a loss on the court in terms of loss of depth, but um, hopefully they can sort of regain some of that via his influence off the floor. And I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but with the way that Travis was talking on Tuesday, it could be a little while for Solomon Hill here, which is unfortunate, of course. Um, The rest of the injury stuff was a little bit more positive. Ken Reddish actually had the flu last week, according to Travis Schlenk, which explains the non-COVID illness designation that he had throughout the week. And he's still dealing with the wrist injury that kept him out of the game on Monday. They haven't been really able to practice, which Travis kind of of reminded everybody of um, during the interview, but Cam wasn't able to get back up to speed before Monday's game, and they're they're hoping to have him on Friday, but obviously still TBD right now. They've not practiced today, so we'll see what happens, but uh, a relatively upbeat update there on Cam, and the flu is not any fun for anybody, but shouldn't be too many long-term effects there for Reddish. He mentioned that DeAndre Hunter's cast has been removed. He's in sort of in a brace now that he's able to sort of work through. He's through the first stage of his rehab following the surgery that he had, and now they're trying to build the strike back up in his wrist. That's sort of the next item of the agenda um, when it comes to DeAndre Hunter. Elsewhere, um, as I saw, talked about earlier in, the, uh, earlier in the week, I should say, the Hawks sent Onyeka Kongwu down to College Park for a rehab stint of some kind. As of this moment on Tuesday, he is still in College Park 
in terms of being assigned there. He practiced on Monday, and Schleich said he was going to practice again on Tuesday. No definitive word just yet about whether he'll play a game or two with College Park, but they're looking to have him back in Atlanta pretty soon and hopefully be able to play. Now that we're in December, it's now in that target area where it wouldn't be crazy to have a Kongwu back in the next couple of weeks, but clearly a lot of uncertainty, and uh, it's a good sign, though, that he's back and practicing at least at semi-full strength with College Park. And then finally, on the last injury sort of update here from Travis, he mentioned that Bogdanovich's timetable is, quote, um, still remains the same, end quote, and they're hoping for about a two-and-a-half or three-week timetable at this point in time. Again, the Hawks issued that initial update talking about the fact that he'd be out at least two weeks, and they sort of reevaluate then. Nothing has changed here, but Travis kind of used that timetable. They didn't really give a timetable on the initial update. I'm sure, I'm sure he has one. I'm sure they have an estimate, but one of those things where it's kind of a mixed... Uh, conversation there because I'm sure he has more information than everybody else does but he seems to be on track if nothing else um that's all that I have on the injury front and again we'll keep an eye out for official updates on Solomon Hill etc as the week goes on um I shared a few nuggets about Atlanta's three-point shooting on Twitter on Tuesday got a few questions about that I'm not going to answer them all but I'm sort of uh, doing a little mini section here on three-point shooting because of that discussion uh as of Tuesday the Hawks now lead the NBA three-point shooting at 38.6% for the season. They actually went from 37.8 to 38.6 in one night. And going up a full percentage point in one game at this point is uh, a lot of jump. Obviously, the Hawks broke their franchise record with 25 makes on 49 attempts on Monday, which does a lot of damage. But they were number two in the league coming into the night, so it wasn't like they totally transformed on that one night. So that's obviously a big positive. And because of that long-range shooting, at least that's one of the biggest parts, the Hawks are number two in the league an offensive rating right now at 113.2 points per 100 possessions this season. And basically, the two things the Hawks have been great at this year on offense are three-point shooting and ball security. They're actually number one in the league in turnovers per game right now, and number two in turnover rate. That's been a strength the last uh, basically year or so. McMillan in particular sort of instilled that. He is very, very big on ball security and not turning the ball over. Even for Trey, he's kind of gotten on Trey in public a few times about turnovers, etc., and uh, he's not someone that's more freewheeling. He definitely wants to take, take care of the ball. And that works on the margins. And if, if you kind of pair great three-point shooting with great ball security, that's a good foundation, let's just say, for uh, everything that's going on with the offense. Um, still, though, I will say this. Uh, three-point shooting is definitely huge, and it's a very impressive figure. And the environment right now in the NBA is that scoring and shooting are actually down a little bit, and the Hawks are up, which is uh, positive. Every single guy in the rotation – except for Clint Capella, who doesn't shoot threes at all, is shooting at least 36% from three. That's obviously huge to have no weak links in three-point shooting. And everyone except Lou Williams, who's a relatively small part of the puzzle right now for the Hawks, is 38% or higher. That is pretty wild in the current landscape of how bad the shooting is around the league. And uh, to have that kind of balance is easy to see why the Hawks have been so effective and uh, maintain that sort of lofty um, performance. At this stage, now there are no crazy individual outliers in there. Some guys are hotter than others right now, which we'll get into in a moment. But you have some guys struggling usually, and some guys are you know hotter than usual. But at this point in time, almost everybody has been hot for the Hawks, which is uh, interesting enough, and we'll get to some some of that in a second. But worth pointing out is sort of a cursory glance at the numbers that uh, everyone is shooting either at or above their normal baseline essentially for Atlanta as of Tuesday, though. The league average is 34.7% from three, and every single guy on the roster is at least about a point and a half higher than that. That's pretty impressive, and also we'll see if it's sustainable. Last thing before I get to a break and then break down some of the individual stuff for you on three-point shooting. Um, the Hawks are obviously capable and should be above average at three-point shooting. They were 12th in the NBA last year, 
and they should be better than that. It kind of has had a slow start along the way. I would not project them to lead the league necessarily, but they definitely could lead the league through one shooting. It's a huge strength for them. But one thing that I do have some concern with is that the Hawks are number 24 in the league in three-point attempts this season. Now, I've kind of read on this throughout the year. It's been getting better, um, culminating in last night's performance in which they shot 49 threes. But the Hawks are not taking enough threes this season. Early in the year, it was more jarring. They were taking two in mid-rangers, etc. It's been better since then. But this is a team that needs to be bombing away. And we saw a little bit of that on Tuesday. You know, it's worth noting that Trey Young can get anybody open shots, basically, as we've seen now with Tony Snell, Solomon Hill, TLC, dating back to last season. Other guys, you know, have fit in and kind of gotten open shots along the way. And with Trey getting so much attention and Collins and the pick-and-roll game the Hawks have, um, all you kind of have to do is be able to be willing and able to shoot threes on the wing in a lot of ways. So that's going to continue, but the Hawks can and should take more threes. Uh, that might hurt their their percentages just a little bit, but at the same time, that trade-off is usually positive because they have enough shooting and enough guys who can knock down even contested shots that they should be able to uh, keep that high-end accuracy with also higher volume, which is what you want if you are a uh, analytically, analytically friendly offense in the modern game. All right, before we get to a quick breakdown of all the individuals in their three-point shooting this year, which is obviously interesting to kind of, to kind of uh, sift through, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Calm. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on the physical fitness aspect, but there's another side of the equation that's just as important, and that is mental fitness. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and Calm has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind and become the champion version of yourself. LeBron and Colm both know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you do not have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Anybody can do it, and they can do it with Calm. Calm can help you train your brain to sleep, help you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best, just like LeBron James. And for LeBron and many others, sleep is a critical part of the mental fitness routine. So if you head to calm.com slash LockedOnNBA, that is calm.com slash LockedOnNBA for a limited time, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain or leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories, meditations, and much more. You can be ready to challenge anything that life has to throw your way. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron and many others in joining and using Calm and getting a 40% discount and a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash locked on MBA. Unlock the content that can help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on MBA. One more time, that is calm.com slash locked on MBA. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, and that is Built Bar. It's filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and it's high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. It's delicious, and it's healthy. With so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Well, you have raspberry mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie. There are so many different options with Built Bar. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the extra holiday shoppers that are out and about. So if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you all the extra something that helps you keep going. Throw one in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. And because it's the season of peace and love, do not bring up your favorite Bilbao flavors at family parties because people are so passionate about their favorite flavors, they'll fight you for it and things can get even out of hand. If you're friends with Santa, well, tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bars in the stockings this year and with so many flavors that make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. And if you like some of the marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Bilt Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate, and they taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. 
Finally, if you want something to cozy up to with something warm as a holiday secret, you can dip Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa, let it melt a little, give your beverage a nice Built Bar flavor, plus you'll have that nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. And with all of that said, you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. Yes, that's promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Built.com. Before we move on to some other stuff on this podcast, a final thing after point shooting. I said on Twitter when I was talking about this stuff on Tuesday morning that, that it was going to cool off on some level and got to push back there. I wasn't saying that it's going to crater by any means. The Hawks, again, as I said before on the show, they're going to be a good, a good shooting team this year. I have some faith in that. They have good talent. If they finish in the top five, no one should be surprised. Um, but to me, if you go player by player, as we're going to do here in a second, it's a safe bet that the collective three-point shooting is not likely to stay quite at 39%, I don't think. Um, it's not impossible, but if you were to project, you kind of have to be a little bit skeptical of that. You know, for one, Trey Young is at 39.2% this year. His career high is 36%, so that's three percentage points higher than he was as a career. In fact, his three-year his three year projection in terms of his career before this was 34%. Now, I think it's reasonable to project that he will set a new career high this year. I think he's been a little bit below his baseline in the past, and what he can be, you know, the shot selection, all that stuff has been litigated to death, but... I think that the Hawks can rely on Trey to be a good three-point shooter. I don't really care about his percentage as much because the volume is so high. But I don't think that it's necessarily likely that he shoots 39%. He could, for sure, but I would say probably in the neighborhood of 37-38 is uh, more likely for Trey. Collins is at 41.3% right now from three. That's a career high for him as well. He did shoot 40% combined the last two seasons, so it's not like way out of the ordinary. But kind of like Trey, I think he probably could shoot this number, but probably more like a 39 40% guy at this point in time. That's a small difference, but still one that is worth noting. Bogdanovich is hurt right now, but he's at 39.1% for the season. Um, that is basically the exact same as his career mark, which is 38.8%. Um, last year, he had that insanity down the stretch of the season where he was like 49%. That was kind of an outlier, obviously, but he's definitely a good shooter. He's about the guy on this list that I would say is the closest to where he normally would be, so no, uh, no reason for concern or crazy high optimism either on that. Kevin Herter, 39.3% right now for the season. In his career, 37.6, only about a point and a half higher than his career average. This is definitely possible that he could just be this guy this year. Um, also could regress a little bit back to his norm, but I think Herter is a guy who definitely could shoot 39, 40% for a season, so no real concerns there. Uh, Cam Reddish is a tough one. He's been out for a little while here, but he's shooting 38.2% from three this year. And coming into the season, Cam was at 30.9% for his career. So more than seven points higher than his career number. Now, I never thought that Cam was going to shoot 31% for his career. He's just too good of a shooter to do that. The mechanics are better than they were at the beginning of his career. He's someone who, at least when he's set up and squared up, I definitely trust it to be a pretty high-level shot from Cam. I think that he actually could be this level of shooter if he leans into that catch-and-shoot stuff rather than taking a lot off the dribble. And his form is very much improved. I will say, though, if I had to project higher or lower than 38% the rest of the season, I'd probably go lower just because of the math on that. But I think he can do this. It's possible. Um, Gallinari is the last one we'll get into that has more of a sample size. But 39% from Gallo. Um, he actually is the only guy on the team that's a little bit below his, his uh, recent baseline. His career numbers are not quite this high, but the last three seasons he's, he's been over 40% in all threes. He's taken less shots than he was earlier in his career. He's a great shooter. 39% is totally reasonable. He's been hot recently to kind of bring this number up, but uh, leave that alone. I'm not really worried about that at all. And the last two guys are small sample sizes, but DeLon Wright and TLC. Um, DeLon's at 38% for the season. That's well above his career normers. Uh, and also, um, TLC's at 40% after last night's barrage. And he's normally in the you know the mid-30s. So, 
those guys are likely to regress, although it's definitely on a smaller scale than the rest. So again, I'm not telling you that the Hawks are going to have this massive regression, but it's at least if you go through the numbers, um, there are definitely more guys who are at or above their normal baselines than there are guys who are, you know, trailing underneath. In fact, there really isn't anybody that's going below their numbers right now. So worth pointing out and some context there. All right, and from there, we'll get into some mailbag questions on the podcast today. Every so often, I will uh, dig into the mailbag, and uh, I don't always ask for the questions specifically, but I uh, honestly thank you to everyone who sends in questions all the time that I can sort of bank and utilize later or on Twitter or wherever else. Also, if you want to fire a mailbag question towards me, you can do that at BT Roll on Twitter or at Locked on Hawks on Twitter, or also to LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. They're always gratefully received. And uh, the first question comes from John, who asks, in your opinion, is a clearly limited Clint Capella better than a clearly healthy Gorgie Jang at this point in their careers? It seems like a hurt Capella is a common denominator in most of all of our losses. I will say this, I understand the question. Uh, Capella has struggled in losses. He's been much better in wins. You know, Early in the season, Capella was really struggling. Talked about that a lot in the podcast. Then as the Hawks got hot, I thought Capella was notably better. And I do think that he's playing better now than he was a few weeks ago, but the last few games, he's not been his dominant self again. So I'm not sure if it's just like a a health thing or a push-pull thing, energy, etc. His physicality has been a little bit down recently, but the numbers are a little bit stark. Um, it's not a surprise. Most guys who play big roles have better numbers when the team wins than when the team loses. That especially goes for offensive players like Trey Young or your even John Collins. Those guys uh, have the same similar kind of splits, not always huge, but um, without with only, I would say, few exceptions, most guys who are leading players have those kind of splits. Now, Capella is known for his defense more than anything else, but his offensive numbers kind of tell the story here on wins and losses. So in wins this season, he has a 65% true shooting mark. That's excellent. Uh, Capella has been a punching bag this year for his missed layups around the rim, and and rightfully so, he's been pretty bad at that. But in wins this year, he's been efficient and good. In losses, he has a 49% true shooting mark. And at center, that is really, really bad. It's bad for anybody, but it's bad for centers even more so. So that is a little bit of an indicator. Also, in losses, his block rate goes down. His rebounds go a little bit down, not a ton, but still um, worth noting. So certainly there's some night and day there, and uh, it's worth pointing that out. Now, I think that Capella, even on his, not maybe not his worst day, but on even like a medium to bad day for Capella, he's still better than Gorgie Jang. I do think that Jang is actually undervalued by fans right now. I think he actually has a a really solid role. He's not great by any means, but in terms of backup plug-and-play center types um, in the absence of a Kong Wu, that was a good move, and I think he's definitely provided that kind of value, having that stopgap kind of guy. But um, even if Capella is not 100% and Jang is, uh, Capella is a lot better. I just want to answer the question because that was what, that was what was asked. But almost more interestingly, is definitely interesting, like Capella is a bellwether on this team. You know, Trey is also that. Like, if Trey's really good, the Hawks do well. Um, but I think almost more so with Capella. If he's if he's dialed in, the Hawks are a different team. And when he's not great, the Hawks are, uh, particularly on defense, not the same kind of squad. All right, from there, a question from Dan, who asks, uh, the Pacers are going to be rebuilding, and they might sell off parts. Would any of their guys make sense for the Hawks? And he adds that it seems like Miles Turner would be great with Trey Young and John Collins. Now, I'll say this. Just to answer this quickly, because this got uh, actually happened a lot. Even it wasn't just Hawks fans. I think whenever, anytime a, a bunch of players that are recognizable are now potentially available, as the reporting is that Indiana is going to tear down, um, every team's fans want those guys, and I totally get it. Um, some stuff to keep in mind here: Clint Capella cannot be traded in season. I know I've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, but if you're a new listener, if you're not listening to those shows in particular, because of Capella's extension, he cannot for any reason. 
be traded before the trade deadline is, uh, arrives this year. So he, he could be traded in the offseason, but not before that. And that kind of limits you. Now, I'm not even saying that you want to co- trade Capella, but when it comes to Miles Turner, who is a center by any description, um, not being able to trade Capella kind of takes Miles Turner off the table because, yes, they could trade for Turner with other ways, but you don't want to have a team that has Turner and Capella on it, both making big money and not having enough minutes to go around. Plus, the Hawks have a Kongwu and the Hawks have Collins. They have plenty of depth in the front court. Turner, I think, is actually a pretty interesting fit theoretically with Trey Young and John Collins because he can block shots, protect the rim, and then also space the floor on offense in a way that's kind of what you would want in a lab for the Hawks. He has some weaknesses too, for sure. He's a good player, but uh, practically speaking, the Hawks kind of can't trade for him right now, at least in uh, reasonable terms. Um, On the flip side, Malcolm Brogdon is the same situation for Indiana. Brogdon would fit very well with the Hawks. Like He's definitely a combo guard type. He's been playing point guard in Indiana, but he can play with Trey Young for sure. But Brogdon can't be traded for Indiana because of the same reason. He has an extension that he signed. So those two guys, um, for different reasons, you kind of have to cross off. And the guy who would be obviously interesting for the Hawks is TJ Warren, but he's been hurt for a long, long time. He's not been basketball in a long time. Karis LeVert, I would say, is the other guy. He's not been great this year. Um, he went to Michigan, so I've seen Karis play a lot of basketball. Um, but I don't think he's the greatest fit in the world for Atlanta. Yes, with right, right now with the Hawks having so much so, so many injuries, he would definitely help them, but he makes a decent chunk of money. you got to trade for him and give up assets. I kind of find it funny, like a lot of Hawks fans have kind of wanted guys openly to be traded and all that stuff. Um, you got to you give up something along the way here. Like, you you know, I understand wanting to trade Gallo or wanting to trade DeLon Wright or Lou Williams or whatever, but if you want a good player, you're going to have to attach good players with them. And yeah, it's helping. It's helpful to have salary matching with DeLon or Lou or Gallo, but you're going to have to include Jalen Johnson. You're going to have to include, you know, a Kong Wu or a young guy, Cam Reddish or draft picks or whatever to get any of these guys. So it's an interesting balance. I think we're still probably a little bit early to talk about Hawks trade stuff, but I don't think Indiana is the most natural team for the Hawks. I get it because it's the topic of conversation along the NBA on Tuesday into Wednesday, but I think um, I'd be pretty surprised. Like Justin Holiday might be a lower cost piece that could make some sense for the Hawks, but aside from that, I think it's not like the most high profile uh, match between Atlanta and Indiana at this point in time. Before we get to the rest of the mailbag questions on the show today, there are a few more to get to for sure. A word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. Football season continues, and the march to the playoffs is here, and BetOnline has you covered all season long for more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season, and you can head to our new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON to receive that welcome bonus from BetOnline.ag. With basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and much, much more, in addition to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of this amazing offer and all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. And one more time, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, and a few more to get to before we get out of here on this Tuesday into Wednesday. Next question comes from Israel, who says that he heard me say that it would take more injuries to get Jalen Johnson on the court. But they said, then they sent him to the G League even after Solomon Hill got hurt over the weekend. What am I missing is what Israel is asking. I understand this. You know, Nate did say on the record, if you missed this, that Jalen Johnson was not going to play without more injuries ahead of him. And Solomon Hill, in some iterations of the Hawks, has played the power forward spot, which is the spot that Jalen Johnson is kind of traditionally in. But, um, so I get the question for sure. Um 
Right now, though, at least before the injury, Solomon Hill was playing the three exclusively, pretty much, because of the injuries that the Hawks had. So they kind of view Solo in that role. He can execute there. And it's honestly pretty clear. I'm not going to do the entire segment again, but I talked about Jalen extensively last week. I think that, honestly, it would probably take an injury to someone like Collins or Gallinari to get Jalen Johnson real minutes on the floor in the NBA. Um, we saw this, you know, they sent him back to the G League even when they were shorthanded. Um, part of that might have been just logistical, but he doesn't seem to be particularly close. Like, Skylar Mays is still with the Hawks right now in the way that Johnson and Cooper are not. I think the Hawks would play small before they would probably play Jalen Johnson a ton at the moment. I understand everyone is not happy with this, and I totally get why. He's a talented guy, and rookies are intriguing. Um, I do think that rookies are generally bad, as I talk about all the time. Um... But Johnson's a talented enough guy where he might be able to make an impact. It's just that McMillan has given no indication, and I mean no indication, that they're going to consider playing Jalen Johnson at the three. And unless he's going to play the three, he's going to need an injury to somebody, and that pretty much means Collins or Gallinari. Um, and obviously you're not rooting for that, particularly with, when it comes to guys who are in your rotation. So uh, Johnson will get his time at some point, but it may not be for a while, and that's kind of where we are at this point. Um, next question comes from Joseph, who asks, Has TLC done enough to stay in the rotation when everyone is healthy? Um, I would say probably not, even if I actually believe in TLC. Dating back to the summer, I kind of made people laugh a few times because I said repeatedly that TLC was like the most overqualified fifth, sixth wing in the NBA. Like, he's a rotation caliber player. I do mean that. But because of the caveat that Joseph gave about everybody being healthy, I don't really see him playing. Because everybody healthy means having Herter, means having Madonovich, means having Hunter and Reddish. Um, plus, you know, plus DeLon Wright, plus Lou Williams, plus plus Trey, of course, John Collins, uh, Kong Weaven, uh, Gallinari, Capella, etc. And I think on most nights when everybody's healthy, you're not going to have five wings play. Um, I think there is an argument that maybe um, TLC could be useful. Um, I think he's an underrated player in some ways. You know, defensively, he's not like the quickest guy in the world, but he has good size. He's physical. He plays the point of attack decently well. Offensively, he's willing to shoot. Um, he's definitely more of a role player for sure, but I think um, practically speaking, he's going to probably need to have somebody not be playing to be playing. But listen, if he's playing great the next couple weeks, maybe uh, McMillan kind of rides the hot hand a little bit and has him uh, in the rotation. So it wouldn't stun me if he was playing, but if you uh, had me guess right now, a fully healthy roster probably has TLC as like the 10th or 11th guy, and usually Nate's going to play only like nine. So he'd be right on the periphery, I think, but um, also a long way to go before that even is a potential consideration with the absences of Hunter and McDonavich. And finally, on the podcast today, the last question comes from Kel, who says, how would you compare the Hawks' schedule to other teams so far and with what they have coming up? It seems like they've had a lot of tough games. So... This is just by winning percentage, which is the only thing that you can really do. There is some nuance here, of course, because it's so early in the season. But the Hawks have the ninth hardest schedule so far in the NBA, only by winning percentage. So that's pretty difficult. Uh, It's gotten a little bit easier the last couple weeks, but still um, very difficult in terms of overall schedule strength. And that means the rest of the way, the Hawks have the sixth easiest strength of schedule in the league, again, by by winning percentage. So that means uh, things are supposed to get a little bit easier for Atlanta. They face the hardest schedule the most, and they have easier schedule remaining. Um, that doesn't tell you everything, but the schedule is not too bad for the next three weeks or so. They have a couple of tough games, like Friday against Brooklyn's an interesting matchup, but even at home, at Philadelphia, at Chicago. Those are probably the toughest games on the docket in the next three weeks or so. But they also have some pretty easy ones. They have Houston at home. They have Orlando twice. They have Cleveland at home during that run. A bunch of games that the Hawks will be favored in. So 
the schedule was definitely a little bit lighter than it was early in the season. And I kind of warned people ahead of time, but it was a true gauntlet. That West Coast trip was about as brutal as it possibly gets, playing a lot of good teams with no breaks and injuries and all that fun stuff for the Hawks. Um, the scary thing, though, on the docket coming up kind of soon is a marathon road trip that begins December 29th. They play at Chicago and at Cleveland to end 2021. And Chicago's playing great right now, and Cleveland's been better than expected for sure. And they also beat the Hawks earlier this season. Then after a two-day break at the start of this, at the start of 2022 in January, they go out west for at Portland, at Sacramento, at Lakers, at Clippers. Now, that's not close to as bad as it was the first time around because you're playing Sacramento. You're playing Portland, who's not, who's not great this year. You're playing the Lakers, who've been a little bit inconsistent. The Clippers are not great either. So you're, you're not playing the Warriors. You're not playing the Suns. You're not playing the Jazz. This is an easier road trip. But every single coach that you will talk to or hear from will always tell you those West Coast trips are brutal. Um, just for travel and logistics and you know, the teams are you know more well-rested than you are, etc. And... The Hawks don't have a home game for more than two weeks, and that's just hard on anybody. So that's a challenge coming up. And also, the Hawks have one, yes, one home game from December 23rd through January 11th. That's almost three weeks they have one home game. So it's going to be a little bit tough on that. And when they come home from the West Coast trip, they play Miami twice in a row. It's a home-and-home with Miami. Miami's a little bit banged up right now, but still, that's a tough one to come back from. So matchup-wise, that's a little bit um, tricky, we'll say, but... To answer the question more broadly, the schedule has been hard so far. It will be easier in the future. You know, does it align with the, you know with what the Hawks have available roster-wise? How the other teams are playing? Schedule stuff is always tricky, and you have to kind of go really deep to kind of really get into it. But I do think that two things are true, and that's that they played a hard schedule so far. In particular, that road trip in which they lost every game, but it was still that was awful. And then coming up, they things are a little bit easier. So that should be some optimism for you. That helps to explain why the Hawks, even at 13 and 12 right now, are projected by most of the, of the stat systems as a team that's likely to win, to win like in the high 40s still because they've been playing better than the record. Their net rating is better than the record. Their schedule's been t- been tough. Now the injuries are a little bit tough to calibrate through that lens, and there is a breaking point at some point where you just don't have enough guys to uh, be interesting. But as long as Young and Collins and Capella are upright and playing, there's a pretty high baseline for this team. So um, even at 13 and 12, there's a lot to be encouraged by. I think the Hawks um, will at least have the pieces and the, set, and the schedule to set up to make a run at some point in the near future. All right, that'll be it. That'll be it for today's podcast. We'll dive in more as the week goes on. I'll have at least one more podcast between now and the game on Friday evening, and then a, the final podcast of the week after Hawks Nets on Friday. So please stay tuned for all of that. Please subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hawks. Follow me on Twitter if you would like to at BT Roland. Leave five-star reviews. Tell your friends. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Game the system for us. We're not above asking for that. And sincerely, I appreciate everybody listening to the show today. We'll see you next time.